school ministry taking off. You've got a beach day that's going to be awesome. You can watch Graham play volleyball. We're going to have hot dogs. and It's just going to be fun. Also, football season just started, people. And the Trojans did what Trojans do and, and put a beat down on some bulldogs. But, but uh, So all is right in the world. And not a lot of Trojan fans in here. Not, not as much love from, from you guys this morning, except my guy right here in his gear in the very center of the room. I appreciate you being here this morning, sir. Um, I actually went up uh, a week ago to USC, and I interviewed Cody Kessler, who's USC's starting quarterback, because he is a fantastic guy. And so we're going to see a video in the next two weeks of him kind of just sharing about his life and encouraging us uh, as a part of our kickoff for this next series, which will be awesome. But this morning, we're talking about a series called Epic, Heroes and Villains of the Bible, And uh, I've titled this message, Bow Down for What? Which sounds a little funny coming out of my mouth. I recognize it's not quite the, what, you, what you want it to be, uh, but it's creative and you'll understand it shortly. Have you heard this slogan? If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yeah? If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. But then the question is, what do you stand for? What then do I stand for? I mean, I, we could stand for injustice, stand against injustice. We can stand up for the innocent, right? We can stand up against bullies. We can stand up for truth, for your core deep convictions. When I was talking with Hillary about this this week, she reminded me of a story of her grandfather, Jake. I've talked about him before because he's just a living legend. He's 86-ish. And he lives up in Gig Harbor, Washington. And his dad came over on a boat from Croatia, a bunch of Croatian fishermen up there. And so when it was time for Jake to work, which was probably like nine, he, he started working for his dad on the fishing boat. And then he took over the fishing boat. And every summer they would go to Alaska, like you do when you're a hardcore fisherman. And it was dangerous. So he would lead the crew. He would take them up to Alaska and he would fish. They would bring home all their fish was the, the, basically the money for the year. I mean, that, like, the summer fishing in Alaska paid for your year. And so he ran his dad's boat until one summer when his best friend's wife got cancer, young, like in their 30s. And she's really sick with cancer. And so he has a talk with his dad because his best friend also has a boat that he runs and goes to Alaska. And he says, Dad, she's not doing well. She's very sick. He can't go. He's got to stay here and take care of her. I think that I should run his boat. And his dad was not happy. And he said, you know what? If you run that boat instead of my boat, instead of your own family's boat, you're essentially dead to me. I'm going to write you out of my will. That hardcore. They take their fishing seriously, those Croats. So, So Jake... He realizes that, no, the right thing to do is to take care of his best friend while his wife is on the verge of death, just devastated the family with cancer. I'm going to run her boat, her, their boat with their crew so that they can have money this year. Sure enough, dad writes him out of the will. Whatever it was, 30, 40 years later, no part in his will. But he stood up for what he believed was right. What happens when you stand up for what you believe is right? Things like that. Go ahead, play along. Maybe it's from personal experience or just something that you've seen. What can happen when you take a stand? 
Rejection, for sure. Hurt, you can hurt others. You can, other people might be offended. Opposition. Opposition. There's going to be people that don't agree with you and oppose you. You can feel alone, isolated. Judgment, problems come up. I mean, there's just stuff that happens. I mean, when, when, you, when you take a stand... You take a step of boldness. Some people aren't going to like that, and there's going to be sometimes severe consequences. So not only is that real, but you and I also know all the people that take a stand and look stupid. They take a stand just to take a stand. They take a stand, but they stand on a soapbox, and they just want to hear themselves talk. Or they take a stand on Twitter and just tweet, tweet, tweet about everything that they think. And so you and I are rolling our eyes like, we don't care what you think and what you're taking a stand on. And so we can have that idea in our mind at the same time. People that abuse it and go too far and kind of are irrelevant. But there are those people who when they took their stand, it changed something. There was something about it. It was something so significant that the, the ripple effect was powerful. That they couldn't, it was like they couldn't not take the stand. It was so deeply a part of who they were. It wasn't even like they had a choice. They just, they just had to stand up for what they believed in. And as a result, maybe you were inspired. Maybe you started following. Maybe, maybe you ended up taking a stand because they did. Either way, the results were positive and people were impacted for good, even if it cost them dearly. And that's the story that we're going to read about. We're going to read a story about three men in particular, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You, probably like me, grew up hearing it referred to as Abednego, and that might still be how I say it as we go, but it's actually pronounced Abednego. And so these guys were Jewish guys. They lived in Jerusalem, and they, they were kind of the elite. They were like the Navy SEALs of kids in that time. And so when the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, which is fun to say, when he decided that he wanted Jerusalem as his own, he came in, he took over Jerusalem, and he took all their valuable stuff. But even more importantly, he took their best and their brightest young men. And he said, you guys are going to be with me. I'm taking you. You're going to be part of my system. You're going to be on my squad. I want the best and the brightest. I want the smartest kids. I want the most well-spoken with the most potential. You guys are my guys, which is kind of flattering, right? If you're one of those guys, you're like, okay, I feel believed in. I feel kind of uplifted. Now I'm, now I'm in good standing with the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 3, made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. Because he's trying, what his goal is, is to assimilate these people that he's brought in and make them feel like they are one of us. You're, you're a Babylonian now. Come on. This is how we roll. This is how we do in this place at this time. You're one of my guys. Just, just, just come on. Come along. Part of what we're going to do is I'm going to build this 90-foot-tall gold statue is what's happening right here. I'm going to build this 90-foot-tall gold statue and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of other music, 
you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So this is serious now. I'm assimilate. You guys, we're part of this. We're in this together. This is the way that we live in Babylon. When you hear the music, you're going to bow. That's just what we do. And I think that the reason why they list so specifically all these different instruments is because he wants everyone to hear a sound that they recognize. Wherever they come from, wherever they've been, I want, I want them to hear something that's going to that's gonna sound like home and begin to associate that sound with worshiping me and my golden image here that I've made because I want them to be like us. They are like us. They do the things that we do. They are part of our culture now. So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they say, ah, you know what? We're not going to play by these same rules. We appreciate that we work kind of high up in the kingdom. We appreciate that we've been taken care of. We appreciate that we have good things to eat and clothes to wear and, and a good job and all this. But you've gone too far. And so when the, when the flute and the zither and the lyre and all those things play, they don't bow. They keep on doing what they're doing. They're mowing their lawn or doing someone's taxes or or saving the day, maybe an engineer, one of these guys, right? They just keep on to what their task is, and they don't stop, turn to the golden thing, and bow down. And some people take notice of that, because they have to bow down. They have to look crazy and worship this silly-looking thing, and they're like, they're not. And so they see that they're not, and they report back to the king, and they say, king, You know those Jewish guys, like your Navy SEALs? They're not worshiping you and your little image here, your 90-foot golden image. They're just doing their own thing. They refuse to worship. They refuse to buy in. They don't seem to be afraid of you. So King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, And Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, It is true, boys, my guys, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all the other kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? In other words, I really like you guys, so I'm giving you one more chance. It's not that complicated. Just for like 60 seconds, bow down and worship the thing. Come on, we're, we're boys. Like, I, I look at where I've put you in authority, and, and, and after all, I've already kind of made this declaration. If you don't do it, I've said, everyone knows, you go in the fiery furnace, the fiery furnace is what happens for the people that don't bow. I'm gonna have to follow through. You're gonna go in the fiery furnace. This is just how the way this is gonna go. But just bow down and it'll be okay. By the way, what God are you fearing that you're worshiping above this thing and me that you think is going to save you from this fiery furnace? Who can save you from my hand? 
Who can save you from me? I am the authority here. Think about the pressure in that moment. He is the authority. He's over everything that they know in terms of influence. he's, He's the boss over all of this. And he's conquered other kingdoms. He's a powerful, powerful man. And not even that, but he knows them by name. He knows each one of them because he's chosen them. They're elite. They have potential. They have promise. They're special. And he really wants them on board and on his team. It's as if he's saying, who who, who can save you from my hand? In other words, you need me. You owe me. In parentheses, I own you. You're like actually my slave now. I don't know if you forgot that, but kind of this is how this works. I need you to bow down when I say bow down. Which brings us to a segment in the message called, You May Be Being Manipulated If. You may be being manipulated if, similar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trying to manipulate these boys. You may be being manipulated if, number one, your line is drifting. If you're someone who said, here's my standard, and then all of a sudden your standard is a little bit further away. But pressure is applied. Something happens. The heat gets turned up. And the standard, it seems a little bit too rigid now. And the line just starts to drift. And we start to make exceptions. We start to rationalize it. Like they could have, right? They could have easily rationalized this away. Okay, look, I'm just going to... I'm just going to bow down physically, but God, in my heart, I'm totally with you, you know? This is just how, this is just for show, for him, but in my heart, I'm totally not worshiping the stupid image. They could have rationalized that way. They could have said something like that. It's too, it's too difficult to keep this standard. We're in Babylon now for crying out loud. Maybe for you, it's the business decision. This is where my line of integrity is. Maybe some people think it's gray, but for me, this is the way I operate and do business. And then the pressure is applied, and fire gets hotter. It's like, oh, I'm thinking a little bit differently about that now. I think maybe my line is more like here. That's, this is where my line is now. We've been dating for three months. Come on, you know, I mean, this is where your line was, but then it's like pressure is applied. Ah, I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to. You may be being manipulated if your line is drifting. You may be being manipulated if you forget where you come from. His whole, the king's whole objective is to assimilate these boys into his world, into his way, to forget their people and forget their God. And they could have easily said, hey, the past is the past. That, that was then, this is now. This is Babylon. When in Rome, you know, this is, this is, this is what the Babylonians do. This is, we just got to jump in on this. Evolve or die, right? We have to go forward. By the way, God could have changed our circumstances by now, but he's left us here. It's his fault. He can't expect us to stay strong forever. You may be being manipulated if you're forgetting where you come from and assimilating completely into the culture where you find yourself. And you may be being manipulated if you feel like you owe someone. If you're more interested in pleasing them than pleasing him. You may be manipulated, be being manipulated if you think, oh, he just needs me though. Hey, we've invested so much into this. I just need to... 
He trusted me with so much. This dynamic, oh, I owe it to, uh, you might be being manipulated if you feel like you owe someone and you're pleasing them first. That should hit home for some of us this morning. Now, these guys are being asked to bow down to a massive golden image, which probably hasn't happened to you this week, right? There is like the bronze Tommy Trojan statue that some people will re- get really excited about. But in our culture, in our day and age, we don't bow to stuff like that physically. We don't kind of get down and do that thing. And it might feel like a jump to, well, I'm not really like, I mean, that was so obvious. And it's not obvious with us. No, maybe it's not obvious. But here, here is the reality. You worship what you trust. You worship the thing that you most trust. The places where you really put your trust, those are the things that you're worshiping. From very, very simple, very simple ideas, like I can't fall asleep without this. I can't have fun if I don't have that. I haven't made it until I reach, I can't be happy without this thing. Those become things that we put our trust in, place our confidence in, and without even realizing it, we begin to bow. And we bow. And we worship these lesser things. Worship is where you put your confidence. And for me, when I was, a, uh, when I was younger, I, th- this was exposed for me in several ways. When, the first time, I realized that I was bowing to image and reputation. And that got exposed when I went to USC and all of a sudden I wasn't the best volleyball player anymore. I was not anywhere near. And I, these guys were great and I had like 6'10". Hungarian dudes cussing at me in a language I didn't understand. And I was like, where am I? I, How do I, ah, this is terrible. I'm not, I didn't know how to be the bench guy. I knew how to be like the starting guy. I didn't know how to be the bench guy. And it just wrecked me and I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was. And I remember like I, I was the setter and I couldn't set. I went to practice and I was just like, I, didn't, I couldn't do it. I had gotten so beat down. I had no confidence left because I had put so much value on image and reputation and being someone special and great. That got exposed in college. And it got exposed a few years later, too, when I went through a divorce. And the brutal reality of that, but what was probably the most sad thing, was that going through it, what I realized is that I cared more about the humiliation and people knowing and seeing it that way than I even did about the marriage being wrecked because I had been bowing to image, to reputation, to what people thought of me. If you're still trying to pinpoint those things for you where you're putting your trust and your confidence and your hope, one other thing that you can do is let worry indicate your worship. The thing you worry about is the thing that you worship. If you're worried what will happen if you lose this thing or this person, you're bowing down. 
If you are all anxious and scared to death to let go because you don't know if you can do without it or him or her, you're bowing down. If you wake up every morning at 5 a.m. just like Jones to get to the office because every minute is a dollar that I'm, you're bowing down. If you're obsessed with social media or tabloids or physical improvement, you might be bowing down to image, to fame, to popularity. If you're not sure whether you're putting your trust somewhere other than God, follow your fear. Follow your fear because the thing that you're afraid of is the thing that you're bowing down to. That's the thing that you are prone to worship. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even in the face of this powerful king, they stay strong. They're, they're, they're not, they're not going to bow to this king. In fact, in verse 16, it says that they replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We're not even going to explain it or defend it. If we are thrown into the fiery, blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We will not. This is where we take our stand, which is really interesting because it had been years working for this guy when they hadn't taken a stand. It had been years where, where they had gone along with it. They had, they had decided that this was okay. It, there had been years where they wore his clothes. They let him call him, them weird names, right? They made him a lot of money. He put them in authoritative positions in his kingdom. They weren't taking stands along the way, but then they hit this place that this is our line. We will not bow to you. We put our confidence in him, not you. I remember, maybe you remember the verses where Jesus says, he's talking to people like us, and he says, you who follow me, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. This is not the world that you are in. That you are, you, there's another place where you're going to be going. There is, a, there is a heaven that's beyond what you see. You are here for now. And work hard and serve. And there's, there's something about being here, but this is not the ultimate thing. There's this in and this of. There's, there are things that are okay to participate in. And then there's this, this line. And it can be confusing for some of us to know where to take a stand. Some of us don't take any stand spiritually or, or related to God because you've seen them so weird in culture You've seen the weird people. You've seen the, 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 the guy taking the stand and you're like, that is obnoxious. He's just angry and like mad at other people. I don't want to be lumped in with that. And so we tend to, to fall back and not take a stand anywhere. But Jesus says things like this in Luke 20, 25. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. He's giving us clues. He's saying it's appropriate to work to some degree for the man. It's appropriate to give your taxes. It's appropriate to build and to contribute to society. All that is fine and good. You can do that. You don't have to stand up and say, no more taxes. I'm not whatever. But you give to God what is God's. Which he says in Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. You give to Nebuchadnezzar what's Nebuchadnezzar's. 
But you give to God what's God's, which is all of you. Interpretation. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt like they could love their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength while making this guy rich. They felt like they could love their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength while working faithfully in his, this guy's, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. They felt like they could love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, all that they were, while giving this guy a bigger name and a better whatever. But then there was this line. And when he said, I want you to worship me, and I want you to prioritize me, and I want you to trust me over your God. And they said, that's where we part ways. That's where we will take our stand, regardless of what might happen to us. I will not put your trust, my trust in you or this silly golden image. We don't need you. We don't owe you. We will work hard for you. We will do our best for you. We will give you the best years of our life, but you've gone too far. We don't put our trust, our hope, our confidence in you. We serve our God. And so he's angry, but probably just sad at the same time. And he has his big, strong men grab these three, tie them up, and throw them in this fiery furnace. First, he says, crank it up seven times what it normally is, which is really stinking hot. It's already at, this, at the heat that burns people up, right? So then crank it up seven more times and throw these guys in. It's so hot that the guards who throw the three men in, they incinerate and die themselves, that's a bad job. If you have to be the guy who throws them in and you die and you didn't even do anything wrong, but it's that hot in the furnace. And then something amazing happens. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet as he looked into this furnace. With amazement, he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they're like, yeah, dude. <laughs> this fire, is, it's, it's really getting hot and you're too close. Yeah, we threw three guys in. And then he says, I see four. I'm looking in there and I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth one looks like the son of God's. He's different. They're all okay. Just taking a little walk through fire. Their bounds that we put them on, gone. And they look like they're just having an okay time. And there's a fourth person in there with them. They are not alone. Friends, you don't have to stand alone. You don't have to stand alone. Why do you think we gather? One of the reasons why we gather, we do this every Sunday, is to remind each other that we're not alone that we worship a big God, that he is good, that he is faithful, and we celebrate this God and we gather like this to remind ourselves, to encourage each other that God is big and God is good and you're not alone even if you're going through difficult things. It turned out that God allowed them to be thrown into the fire, but he was with them in it. He was with them in it. And then, one of the things that I've come to realize is that the most significant life transformation doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. 
When we ask you to jump in rooted or to get in a life group, it's, be, it's not just like to pad some stats or something that we have. It's because we actually believe that some of the most profound life change that you will experience is a result of being in a circle with other people. These three had each other. Otherwise, they might not have been strong enough to take that stand. And we need each other. That's why we get so excited about this stuff. That's why we say you need other people. You don't have to meet every week or whatever. Work it out in your rhythm of your calendar, but you need to be in community with other people. So what's God saying to you this morning? What's he whispering? What's he, what's he pointing at? What's he illuminating that maybe you've been bowing to without even realizing it? Or that maybe you've allowed yourself to be isolated and you're on your own and you're trying to figure out where do I make a stand? Where do I not? Where am I in all of this? If God's speaking to you, will you respond today? Will you trust him? Will you stand up if it's the time to stand up? Will will you say, I am not trusting and putting my hope in these other things. God, I'm putting my hope in you. I want to just worship you, not these lesser things that I find myself drawn to. Let today be a day of declaration. Let today be a day where you draw a line in the sand and take a stand and say, I am going to follow you. There's these things that pull at me in this culture and that's normal and we get it. But now that he's whispering to you and pointing them out, will you take a stand and say, God, you are my top priority. You are the one I trust. I'm not going to put my hope in these lesser things because he'll come through. He'll be faithful. He'll be with you. God, continue to speak to us as we respond to you in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing these truths about our Lord. My foes are many, they rise against me.
Hey, we're going to sing for like 60 more seconds. But before we do, I just want to remind you that it's easier in here to take a stand than it is out there. Out there, it gets a little more complicated, a little dicey. Things are weird. And so it's, it's, it's easier here. Now, I know that some of you are like, not the, not the like physical take a stand type people. You, you, you're okay with the people who like lift their hands kind of and that you respect that. You're like, that's not my jam. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that, which is fine. But would you in the, in the, in an effort to kind of make a physical representation today, if you're, if you're this person, maybe you just be this person. You know what I mean? Or, or, or if you're here already, then maybe you just sway a little bit this morning. And this is you, this is you taking a stand and saying, hey, I know that there's something that God has for me out there. And I'm, I'm just kind of getting ready and sealing the deal in here where it's easier because he will continue to whisper and he will continue to invite you to trust him out there. So let's just start.